please rise. A reading from the 23rd chapter of Luke. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. You're seated. We are in our series B, Be the Church. Last week was Be Advent. Now, an aspect that is certainly central to today's service, Be Forgiven. Be Forgiven. Today is a day, some of you uh, especially have made an effort and maybe even wandered into a church you've never been to before because for you today is a day where you want to hear that reassurance that you are forgiven to start your Lenten journey out uh, fresh, whole, uh, purified, and cleansed. And we welcome you, and we're glad that you uh, came to be with us, and we will certainly make sure you leave with a smudge on your forehead that uh, you can wear the rest of the day. Uh, I'll talk more about that later. I had the opportunity to do the Ash Wednesday service for our chapel, and I was trying to figure out how do I make it meaningful uh, to children, it's an abstract, uh, in some ways, concept to talk about ashes and how that relates in the church year and Lent and things like that. But, but what's not abstract at all is forgiveness for children. And I started off with a story, and I think I'm just going to, uh, everyone likes a children's sermon, so I think I'm just going to um, share it with you about a mother who had uh, inherited her grandmother's treasured um, bowl. It was a very beautiful bowl. It was very antique. And, and she had placed it in a place of honor in our house out of the reach of the children and told the children very clearly, please, under no circumstances are you to uh, play with that bowl. It means a lot to me. It's very fragile. And, and I just want you to admire it from a distance. But what happens when you tell Adam and Eve not to touch the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. They want it more. They want it more. In fact, if any of you are thinking about giving up anything for Lent that has something to do with food, you are already craving it. It's like you haven't even had a chance. You wouldn't normally eat chocolate by now in this day, with a few exceptions here, but you were already are craving it even though you really, you know, won't have missed it yet. 
That's how it goes when we want something that we can't have. And well, this boy was no exception. His mother's um, treasured bowl is on the tippy top of a shelf, and so he found his way up on top of a chair, and he reached for it, and he brought it down. He said, my goodness, this is really quite beautiful, and it's very pretty, and it's green, and it's old, and it's, it's wonderful, and, and he, he was playing, and he lost his balance, and he, and he dropped the treasure vase. That was the most fun thing to do in the chapel. I mean, that's what's fun about the kids, but maybe you'll remember that too. Uh, I didn't know it would break again. I thought two is enough. But the, uh, I won't say anything about being a crackpot. Um, what do you do? What do you do when you've been told not to do something? Made very clear to you. It's been put in a relatively difficult location you can't bump into. What do you do when you've broken the trust of your mom? Mm. What do you do? Well, you could do all sorts of things. Adam and Eve, they try to hide, right? That's pretty funny. You think God can't find you in the very garden he made? They covered themselves, right, with fig leaves. Good try. You can hide as a child. Anybody here might have tried that tactic. Just let the shards remain on the floor and just hide. You know, just, I don't know what good it does, but you just do it. Uh, one of the kids said, well, we could glue it. And I said, don't you think Mama would probably notice at some point down the road that you glued it? But I am sure Jim Vianne did that. I'm pretty sure he probably glued it or repaired the carburetor or the oil pan after he took the car when he shouldn't have, you know, you're pretty handy, so maybe you were able to hide it. <laughs> what do you do? Well, what's the right thing to do? You go to mom. With tears in your eyes. <laughs> you go to mom and you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I knew I shouldn't. I knew you made it almost that I couldn't. <laughs> but I did. And it broke. And mom says to you, well, with varying levels of emotion, you can put your own mom in this position. You know, if she was one kind of mom, she might have had a high level of emotion regarding this. Other moms might have been calmer. I don't really know. Um, well, I think the essence would be with, hopefully, a loving mom. You shouldn't have done that. I told you not to do it. I put it out of your reach. You know it meant a lot to me. I'm going to have a hard time getting over this because it was important. I feel sad about what you've done. All those things. And, and you know what? I think it might be not only important for you to clean the mess up, but maybe we have to have some consequences. You know, maybe some time in your room. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe you can buy me another bowl that's like it with your allowance. 
It'll never replace it, but maybe you can. But because I love you, I forgive you. Because I love you, I forgive you. Not because you deserve it, not because you said you were sorry, but because and only because I love you, I forgive you. Now let's clean this up. To me, we have to start there with our relationship with God. You did not come today to deserve forgiveness, to earn forgiveness, to present anything about yourself or your plans or your efforts or your intentions to be worthy of forgiveness. You came here having broken many pots or being a broken pot yourself, which really, if you think about it, it's all the same thing, isn't it? Broken people break things. Broken things break people. It's all one endless cycle. And you are going to hear the words that are not logical, sensible, defensible, and a terrible way to run the world. You're going to hear the words from God. I'll share them with you now. Because I love you, I forgive you. Not because you deserve it. Not because what you did was right. Not because you're whole or perfectly acceptable in my sight. You're none of those things. I have not lost my eyesight yet. I know exactly who you are. And it's because I love you that I forgive you. That's a wonderful thing. That's an incredible thing. That's mind-blowing, and I dare say it will be difficult to hold on to 10 minutes after we leave this place, but try to remember those words and say them with me. Because I love you. Because I love you, I forgive you. Because I love you, I forgive you. Those are the words from the beginning to the end of the Bible, in countless ways God shares. And he always shares them first. The father runs down the hill to the prodigal son and hugs him before he gets a chance to blurt out his pitiful confession. Because I love you, I forgive you. Nothing else. No other reason. But that's only one part of it. Because um, God has a greater plan than just to make us feel better today. He wants us to feel better. But he has a greater plan than that. There's a vertical dimension to Ash Wednesday. Because I love you, I forgive you. A, a response of any sane individual, such as this boy, after being forgiven would be, Thank you. Thank you, God. In fact, I think the only reasons to dwell on our sin at all would be to remind us to say thank you for our forgiveness. 
What's the word, use of wallowing in what we already know, that we're pitiful fools? There's no point to that. We can walk around and bang ourselves on the back. It doesn't really matter unless it elicits the one response that God's kind of waiting to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. The vertical dimension. But Lent, Ash Wednesday, forgiveness have a horizontal dimension too. And I explained that to the kids, this horizontal dimension, by talking about, you know, in theory, my favorite doll. It's actually, I stole this from Pastor Dave's office. We all keep a lot of things in our offices for these occasions. If you think our offices are cluttered, it really is just that we need props. I took this from Dave. I said to the kids, What if David stolen this from me? Instead of me stealing it from him. What would that mean? Well, David done something wrong. He done something wrong to me. And and this is, you know, most of our life thinking about how others have done things wrong to us, right? So many wrong things to us. So many wrong things to us. People I know have hurt me. People who gave me life have hurt me. People I don't know have hurt me. Oh, I've got such a wonderful list of grievances against others. Such a wonderful list. It's my joy to spend my time tallying all the ways the world has done me wrong. Aren't I the martyr of the century? It would be easy. (laughs) It would be easy to go through life that way. But Lent, Ash Wednesday, and forgiveness, and Jesus himself give us another perspective. He talks about how a man was forgiven Millions of dollars in debt by a generous king. But that same man went to a man who only owed him ten bucks and threw him in jail for it. How quickly we forget. How quickly we can tally up everything someone has done to us and forget all the things God's just forgiven us doing so quickly so quickly and we have endless ways to justify why it's okay for us to be upset with everybody else why it's okay for us not to forgive other people why it's okay not to be kind loving merciful accepting tolerant interested in other people try to understand other people try to get along with other people try to try to think what's it like to be them What are they going through? Why might they have done that harm to me? Why might they be mean to me? Or why might they be against me? No, it's much safer for us to just blame the world and much more comfortable not to forgive. So much more comfortable. In fact, it's a topic of conversation we can have with just about anybody. We can get together and say, isn't it terrible? And they go, oh yeah, it's terrible. 
Might have seen some of that on TV last night. I don't know. We're going to see a lot of it on TV, I can tell you that. Somebody else's fault. Somebody else has done it. And God just goes, ah! How soon they forget. How quickly they forget. All I've forgiven them. All I've forgiven them, and they can't forgive each other. They won't forgive each other. They don't forgive each other. How many more times do I have to forgive them? And fortunately for us, his answer is, whatever it takes. I know, maybe I'll send my son. Maybe he'll be able to show them. The horizontal, the vertical nature of Ash Wednesday, of forgiveness, of Lent, is important. But if we only think of that vertical nature, we could leave here as forgiven people who are unforgiving. And believe me, I live in the same world you do. That's about all I see is unforgiving people. God's heart's broken when he forgives and we don't learn a thing from it? He's pouring it down and we're just letting it splash on the ground. He sends a son to die and we say, oh, thank goodness my sins are forgiven, but what about him? And what about her? Or the new challenge, what about they? There's a vertical nature and there's the horizontal nature. Jesus says, if you're going to the altar to make a sacrifice and you got a problem with your brother, leave it right there and go work that out. Because in my kingdom, the horizontal matters. The horizontal matters. What is the greatest commandment, Jesus? The greatest commandment of all. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, and soul, mind, and strength. He would have been a big success with that answer. But he put his foot in his mouth, didn't he, when he said, and your neighbor as yourself. Make no mistake, he did not go to the cross because he told us to love God. He went to the cross because he told us to love our neighbor. And so when you put the vertical nature and the horizontal nature together, well, what do you get? You get the central symbol of our faith, the symbol that will be placed on your forehead. It's placed on your forehead, yes, as a reminder of the sin that has been forgiven by God because I love you, I forgive you. The ashes are not meant to be dirt, or we would use dirt. We use ashes because they're the component in soap to clean you, to clean you. That's why people used ashes, not to get dirty, but to symbolize cleansing. That's how you washed. People mistake that all the time. You were given this to wash you of your sins, not to convict you of them. This shows that you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. Now the challenge is, will we take this sign away from this place and be 
forgiven who forgive. That's the challenge. That's the opportunity. Because after all, if I've been forgiven, what chip do I have on my shoulder? What could you possibly do to me that would be anywhere near what God's already forgiven me of? I can't think of anything. And so you know what? To my best of ability and the power of the Holy Spirit, God working with me, I'll forgive. And so will you. It might just be worth keeping the cross on your forehead for as long as you can today as a reminder, not of what a cool person you are for being religious today, but as a reminder, you will know that they will see you. And if you cut them off at Publix in the line, that's on you because you're wearing a cross. If you speak crossly to someone (laughs) instead of speaking their cross, that's on you because you know now. I love the church sign. Uh, we should probably put it on ours. Ash Wednesday, be kind. I, I have to say, of all the times I've thought about Ash Wednesday, kindness didn't come to my mind until I saw that. And yet, what does the world need from us more than anything? A bunch of holy moly's walking around with ashes on their forehead or people who leave this place and are known for their kindness. Amen.